0: You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Hebrews 5, 1-4. but but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So good morning, hello, and welcome to Evanston Bible Fellowship. My name is Brady Richards. I am one of the elders here. And whether it is your first time here, uh, your 50th time here, whether you've been with us since our inception, whether you're in person or online, welcome. Um, We're so grateful to be able to worship god our lord our savior with you um, in whatever way that is we would love to get you connected with our church whether that's answering any questions that you might have helping you find one of our ethos groups which is one of our small groups here Um, but ultimately we want to help you grow in faith to god um, in his word and so you'll hear some announcements later with different events going on in our church Um, one is even uh, upcoming next week. Um, the slides say it differently. It was planned for this afternoon at four, but take note, um, we are having our monthly prayer gathering next Sunday at four at the church office, not this this Sunday. Um, so uh, the reason I am up here again, I told you last week that Tim was going to be here, um, Pastor Tim, our lead pastor, his wife Danielle, daughter Izzy, and son Sam have all come down with the cold that is going around, so they are staying at home today, uh, and I will be bringing the word. So we can be praying for them as well, for healing, um, and then just also all of our families that are, um, you know, experiencing this, this cold. I'm even considering the rise in this Delta variant and COVID. I know it's kind of an anxious and tumultuous time, right? We're all kind of ready and eager to be over with this. At least I am. I think you probably are too. So let's continue to pray to the Lord, our great physician, the one who is sovereign over it all, um, that he would bring about healing in this world. Keep us safe, and keep us wise as well as we continue forward. So would you pray for me right now before we get into the word of the Lord today? Father God, we uh, come before you and we are humbled to know that you love us. We are humbled to know that you care for us that you allow us uh, to enter into your throne room, to be able to even just worship you today when there are so many of those around us in other countries um, that cannot do so um, out of fear of either being persecuted or maybe they are doing so even in that fear. Um, And so we're just grateful. We're so grateful to be able to come here and lift your name high this morning. Lord, we... um, Even specifically today, just lift up um, Pastor Tim, uh, Danielle, Izzy, Sam, and we just ask for them and even any of those in our number that uh, we just don't know uh, or have recognition of that they're maybe dealing with um, this cold that has been going around. We ask for healing for them. We ask that you put your hand over them um, and that this would be a quick transition back to kind of full health. Um, give them strength and energy to just kind of get through the day, even as they're not feeling well, and of course have two little ones to deal with—not um, deal with, but take care of. Sorry, that's poor language. Um, but Lord, you know my heart. You know, um, you know what I mean. So Lord, um, just be with them um, and and just care for them well. And any of our any of the families here and throughout the world, we pray too that you would you you control it all. You control the molecules, you control the atoms, and you control even this disease that is going around in our world. So we pray to an end. We pray that you would have mercy on us and just bring about a quick and resolute end to this disease, whether that be through um, different uh, whatever methods that you might use, Lord. Um, I'm not going to put definitions on it. But Lord, as we now enter into a time of your word, um, we approach you. We approach what you have given to us, the, the true word. Um, we always want to know your will, Lord, and we're always seeking your spirit and your mystery, but you have written to us in your word, and so it is clear, it is there. And so we ask that through your spirit that you would translate for us and speak to us, um, the what we need to hear from you today we we our hearts need it um, we need your word so soften us soften our our minds and our bodies and our spirits and our souls to receive what you have given um Lord and be with my lips um even just as I'm trying to get across thoughts and ideas just um help my words not to cause a stumbling block for anyone, but ultimately to build up each one here and to edify each of us through um, what you declare to be true. Um, so Lord, we ask and pray all of these things in your son Jesus, Jesus's precious name. Amen. Um, so last week, if you were here, we spent a little bit of time in Psalm 136, where we saw God's steadfast love endures forever for His people, through God's character, His acts of creation, uh, Israel's redemption, the fulfillment of the land promise, and ultimately the actualization of God's love, in the dissension of Jesus Christ that He proves time and time again, through the ages that He is committed to kindness gentleness and mercy towards his people. Ultimately, those who have faith in Christ can trust and sing forth of his faithful goodness. Today, um, our text, which was read previously, Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, is all about Jesus. Jesus as our great high priest. In many ways, Um, I am trying to continue down this theme of love. Last week, we looked at God's love for us. So now we're looking at a different person of the Trinity, Jesus's love for us. I guess I should preach next week on the Holy Spirit's love, but I don't think you want that. So uh, I'm going to let Tim come back if he's feeling well. Um, But, okay, sorry. Through the Levitical priesthood, we are specifically going to see Christ's love for us. Um, and ultimately his fulfillment of the role of great high priest, um, where we can come to receive uh, God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy. So a little bit of context about the the book of Hebrews, uh, written in 70 AD, only roughly 40 years after Jesus' ascension, it remains a highly mysterious book in Christendom. Why is that? Because, thank you for asking, there, the author remains unknown, um, and it's actually quite highly debated within Christendom who the author is. Um, there is no greeting at the beginning of this book, like many other uh, epistles. Um, many believe the author to be Paul, uh, the apostle which most of the New Testament books are attributed to, but some believe it's Luke, some Barnabas. Um, and I'm not going to try to settle this debate here, uh, regardless, though, the author whoever he is, is clearly writing the letter to Hebrew converts, uh, that is Hebrew Christians, both of uh, Jewish descent and Gentile descent. Um, And Gentile, if you want to know, is just anyone that wasn't Jewish, so it's a very broad category. And um, he starts the letter off, he starts the book of Hebrews off by uh, upholding the preeminence of Jesus, God the Son, Um, Oh, sorry, excuse me, upholding the glory of God the Father in the preeminence of Jesus, God the Son. So the overarching theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater. Specifically, he argues that Jesus is greater than any angel, any priest, or any old covenant. With believers' faith being rooted, then, in such a great man and God, believers should hold fast to their faith and continue enduring amidst persecution and trials. So the passage today, Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, it sits at the start of the author's argument that Jesus is specifically greater than any high priest. The chapter before this, chapter 4, is uh, it notes that no other high priest was great, Uh, none other had passed through the heavens, and none other was the son of God. So he argues that Jesus is a great high priest, but here, in chapter 5, he turns to argue that Jesus is the great high priest. High priest. He outlines the historical principles of the role of high priest. And I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. In these verses specifically, we're looking at a job description. Um, we're, we're covering a lot of historical details. It's going to be a little bit easy to kind of zone off and question what in the world is the point of all of this. Um, but I want to challenge you. I want, uh, as we look at the, the particulars of the role of the high priest, we are getting specific insight then into the character of Christ that the author of Hebrews and God wants us to understand. And reflecting on Christ's character always gives us something in our own lives to ponder. It always ends up challenging how we view ourselves in relation to God. So that's what we'll be looking at today in Hebrews 5, 1-4. The role of the high priest, how Jesus perfectly fills the role of the high priest, and what the role of the high priest means for us today. The role of the high priest, how Jesus perfectly fills the role of the high priest, and what the role of the high priest means for us today. So let's take a look at the role of the high priest and reread our full text from Hebrews 5, 1 through 4. Hebrews 5, 1 through 4. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. In these verses, um, we'll see that the role of the high priest is made rather clear in three distinct ways. Um, Of course, the historical context of what the high priest was, the duties of the high priest, and the obligation of the high priest. So the historical context of the high priest, the duties of the high priest, and the obligation of the high priest. So let's start then with some historical context. Um, We see this in verse 1. It says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of God in relation uh in behalf of men in relation to god so the high priest role uh, was chosen um, chosen by god it was a role that descended from the lineage of levi one of the tribes and 12 sons of israel the family of levi was then responsible to serve religious duties and represent God to the people of Israel and vice versa. Now, Levi had three sons. I don't know why I did three. Three three sons um, and each responsible for different aspects of taking care of the temple. And I have a little uh, diagram or or something, I think. Uh, Maybe that's ready. It's either in your church center app, maybe up here. Um, This is extremely basic. There's so much more to this, but I wanted something that was just kind of simple and clear for you to kind of get an idea of what the temple was. Um, So this is, uh, in Jewish tradition, this is the place where God resided. Um, And the sons of Levi were responsible for taking care of different aspects of the temple. And one of the sons of Levi was Kohath. Kohath's family was in charge of the tabernacle's inner furnishings. So that's kind of the inner thing, I think. Uh, maybe I need to get more educated on that. I'm sorry. Um, so the inner, the tabernacle's inner furnishings: uh, the lampstand, the altar of incense, and the ark of the covenant—three th- very holy items. So. Kohath's family literally went into the, ta- the tabernacle where others uh, did not go into the tabernacle. Um, in verse 4 of our passage, it tells us that the priesthood was called by God through the brother of Moses, Aaron. So the high priest then was generally the eldest son of Aaron except uh, if they disqualified themselves with sin. And in the time of Moses and Aaron, specifically in Exodus 28, God established the role of the priest and set apart then the role of the high priest, a greater priest. Um, And these people were people that were able then to serve in the tabernacle to offer sacrifices for the people. Okay, so that's a little bit of of, uh, history there. Um, either well done or not well done. You can be the judge of that. Um, In all of this, I think let's just take a a moment, a moment to note that the priesthood, uh, and particularly the high priest, again, was chosen by God through birthright, Um, not chosen by God's people, so not elected like we think of our politicians today. And it wasn't a position that was something for which one could kind of grasp at or grasp for. Um, it says in verse 4 no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Now, some people did try. To take this role for themselves. We see examples of scripture of Korah, Saul, and Isaiah where they tried to take this role, this honor for themselves. It ended up quite poorly. Um, Korah was uh, swallowed up in a divine earthquake in Numbers 16. Saul was rejected from his place as king in 1 Samuel 13. Isaiah was struck with leprosy in the temple itself in 2 Chronicles 26. And Uh, We also know, historically, at the time of the writing of the book, uh, the first century, this position did, in fact, become quite highly politicized. But even still, the intent, originally, was that the role was one chosen through historical birthright, truly something only God's hand could control or determine. So with a little history under our belt, then what were the duties of the high priest? As the second half of verse 1 tells us, he is appointed by God to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. The high priest was chosen by God to be the mediator between the people of Israel and God. I should have went this direction Particularly, they were to officiate directly or indirectly sacrifices for the people of Israel's sins. The biggest day of the year for the high priest was on the Day of Atonement. We know this today as Yom Kippur, um, an annual ritual where they would atone for the sins of the people in the Holy of Holies. So there was the the temple, and then the inner court, and then there's the the Holy of Holies. That's kind of within that. Um, so, the high priest in the holy of holies met directly with God, uh, one-on-one time with God. And while the sacrifices were likely the focal point for the people of Israel to have their sins atoned for, there were also uh, it was also a, a time for giving God gifts, giving him uh, gifts of praise, expressing thanks and um, just the general desire to actually be in fellowship with him. So the Jews, the Jewish people, knew then that this role was particularly important. The duties were very needed, um, a mediator, someone to go in between God and the people, to offer gifts and uh, thanks and sacrifices for the sins of the people. Now, while the duties of the high priest were necessary, there was an additional obligation of the high priest. Specifically, the high priest had two obligations, uh, dealing gently with the people and knowing his own sin. We can see this in verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3, it says, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, He is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. So the high priest can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. I know that today we often think of gentleness as kind of like a, I hate to say it this way, but it seems to be taken a lot of times as weakness. Um, that we, maybe one just needs to kind of grow a backbone and toughen up. But the high priest had compassion and gentleness or um, in some ways expressed as the middle course between apathy and anger. The middle course between apathy and anger. When faced with sin wickedness and ignorance gentleness is not um, indifferent it is not something that sits back in its chair towards sin it's not apathetic it takes sin very seriously see the high priest would have known in this time firsthand the, the sacrifice that was needed to atone for these very sins he would have taken the sin quite seriously but taking sin seriously doesn't mean uh, that gentleness is harsh. Um, it, a lot of times we think of the sacrifices involved here, and we get a picture of a bloody, gory, um, and intense view, and so we start to think it's very uh, very dark. And I mean, it, it is, but it's like, oh, it must be taken seriously and dealt with. Um, but gentleness has a loving heart. So the high priest would love the people while making these sacrifices. He would not be angry with the people for their sin. Gentleness here is the middle course between apathy and anger. The high priest had this compassion on the people primarily because he understood his own sin and weakness and saw his own need of a sacrifice to be made on his behalf. Verse three says it uh, this way, since he himself is beset with weakness, because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. On the day of atonement, on Yom Kippur, the high priest had to sacrifice for himself first before he could make a sacrifice for the nation. This was to remind him and the people of the nation that he had sinned to atone for too. While he was set apart, he was just as sinful, just like the rest of the people, and needed to be holy to enter in to God's presence. So this was the high priest's obligation to deal gently with the people and know his own sin. Okay, so we've taken a quick look um, at the history, duty, and obligation of the high priest. I think it is then necessary to have a short reflection on how Jesus perfectly fills the role of high priest. How does Jesus perfectly fill the role of high priest? Historically, Jesus was not born from the tribe of Levi. He was born from the tribe of Judah, as was prophesied in Scripture. But we see an even greater connection here because he was chosen as the firstborn son of God. Just after our passage today, the writer says in verses 5 and 6, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I'm not going to get into the background of Melchizedek, but he was also another high priest uh, that was not from the tribe of Levi. So there is kind of a precedent historically set for um, that being uh, in, in place. um um, another example uh is jesus's at jesus's baptism is uh, where god the father kind of says to him that he's his beloved son whom i am well pleased and then the holy spirit descended on him so we see jesus was not a levite he was, but he was specifically chosen by god to be the one sacrifice for all and not be like the other human high priest needing to continually offer sacrifices for themselves and the people Jesus' history then ties into Jesus' duty. In duty, we know Jesus acted on behalf of men, um, continues to act on behalf of men in relation to God by offering gifts and sacrifices. In the famous passage from Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says this, Though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. The Father. So Jesus fulfilled the position of the high priest by being appointed by God and sacrificing Himself for the atonement of the sins of the world. He didn't just make these sacrifices though out of sheer fulfilling of duties. He did so too out of an obligation. An obligation. He also dealt dealt gently with those who were ignorant and wayward. Um, earlier in Hebrews two seventeen, the writer said, Therefore, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiations for the sins of the people. Uh, the rest of the book of Hebrews has this to say about Jesus fulfilling these qualities. Um, in chapter 2, 18, it says, He is able to help those who are being tempted. Um, in, ver- in chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And we know, actually, that Jesus even cried for his people. He prayed for them. He loved them. We see in John 17 a prayer that is coined the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And if you don't mind, um, I, I really, you can tell I really like reading scripture to you guys. Um, I want to read to you all of chapter 17 because this is Jesus' prayer that he prayed right before going to the cross. And when I think of, if if I ever have a question about what Jesus thought of the people and what he prayed for them, what he wanted for them, this is it. This is the prayer. So I think it's in um, Church Center for you, but you can also look it up if you want to follow along. John 17. When Jesus had spoken these words, for I have given them the words you gave me, and they have received them, and I have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these who you th- know that you have sent me, made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What a prayer of love and gentleness for a broken and sinful people. Jesus who was without any sin, who didn't need his own sin atoned for because he didn't have any like an unlike the normal high priest was perfectly compassionate towards us by entering into our world not just staying up into the clouds he entered in and had mercy on even the most outcast of those around us and then died having known perfectly well the sacrifice that was needed to be made beforehand, becoming not only the great high priest, but the offering to God to cleanse our sins forever. So Jesus fulfills the role perfectly of the high priest historically, in duty, and in obligation. Great. Uh, so Jesus fills the role of the great high priest, but what does this mean for us today? Um, as I've meditated over this passage, I have a few things that I believe that the Lord has been speaking to me, um, and I'm not going to just overview them as I do like all the other things. I'm just going to try to get to them and let you have them sink, sink in. So three things. Um, first, Do I recognize, do we recognize the position of the great high priest in our lives? Do I recognize, do we recognize the need for a mediator? Um, In February of 2020, I had to purchase a new used car because someone totaled my previous car. Um, luckily I was not in the car when this happened and luckily also everyone was fine and it's a story that I can explain later I'll give you all the details if you want um, but uh, it was the first time that I really had to then witness the car buying experience all by well not on my own my dad was there but like it was the first time I was there in person experiencing the car buying uh, experience right um, and so if you've been there you know similarly the pains of the car salesman. And no offense if there's a salesman or a car salesman out there. Um, You basically, you sit there talking numbers. The salesman then goes back to their manager. They talk, they talk a little bit too long to make you nervous, right? And then they come back, talk to you some more and so on and so forth until finally, what seems like hours later, you sign the paperwork. Uh, Maybe you get to meet the manager, shake their hand, whatnot. They give you the keys and you can finally drive away. And I know that along the process, I even start to think, why do I need this person (laughs) going back and forth? Um, Can't I just speak directly to the manager and start the conversation there? At least it would be uh, more efficient, maybe. I I don't know. Um, But in this regard, do I realize that it might be a grace from God that there is someone to intercede for me? Now listen, I, I'm not advocating for every middleman position that there is out there, um, but I think you get what I mean. There must be someone apart from ourselves to make our relationship with God right and to cleanse us and forgive us of sins. We must recognize the need to be reconciled to God and our place as a sinner before him. Now the biggest difference, as we've heard between the high priest and Jesus, our great high priest, is not just that Jesus was sinless, and don't get me wrong, he was, um, without the need of a sacrifice himself, but it's that Jesus is God. Earthly high priests were similarly appointed, similarly chosen by God from a very specific tribe of men that they would have uh, technically where they would have technically made sacrifices and in essence would have walked into the Holy of Holies washed of their sins, sinless. But Jesus is the great high priest because he was simultaneously chosen from among men and was totally other than men, totally God. And the reason this is important that we grasp it, that we wrestle with it, that we believe it, is that if we just think that Jesus is some better version of the high priest and not God, we will walk around our lives never thinking we actually need a middleman. If there was not the middleman of Jesus between God and us, there would only be condemnation, and we would be forever in a broken and sinful state. But praise be to God that he uses the perfect sacrifice of Jesus to be the ultimate bridge between us and God. And through faith in Jesus, he continues to perfect us and our walk through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was just one. Two, second. Um, Jesus, who was perfect and without sin, was able to be perfectly merciful to the ignorant and wayward people. So how many times then, if that is my example, am I not gentle with others yet am so beset with sin and weakness? Shouldn't I, shouldn't we see our sinfulness and that help us empathize with other human beings I know at least myself I can often look at those around us who don't think like me who don't act like me or have the same beliefs as me or even who knows political affiliations whatever it is and I think how can those people not see it the way I do how can they not care about X issue and I look, at, I look at people and sometimes even think, oh, if they just had, if they just understood things the way I understood them, if they only knew the truth. And in those questions, I forget to see my own sinfulness. I forget that I was once ignorant and still am on so many issues. I was once wayward. So I I forget the sacrifice that was made on my behalf. I forget the blood and the gore. And it is that only through Christ's perfect mediation that I am able to now say that I am no longer completely wayward, <laughs> even though that is still only Christ in me. So praise God for the obligation of the high priest that he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward people like me And he can help me, help us to know our own sin. Okay, and finally this. Um, John Calvin opens up his book, The Institutes of Christian Religion, with the statement, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. And so we've discussed a lot about the high priest and we've discussed a lot about Jesus. Um, And so the question I have to ask you is what do you think of yourself? Um, There are many worldviews and hot topics vying for our attention, our identity, and our lives. There are even Um, overly critical voices. Maybe it's the voice in our minds. Maybe it's the voice of your mother or father. Maybe a mentor. Maybe an old boss. Um, Maybe it's yourself. Um, But we are bombarded daily. Um, And I think even, you know, in this past year, that has seemed to only ramp up. Um, We can get upset with ourselves. We can think we just need to knuckle up pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, and so I ask, what do you think of yourself? Um, My heart behind this is just like in Romans 12, 3, where it says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think highly, uh, of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. And so I think that that implies we don't think too highly, um, but we think soberly, which also means not too lowly either. And so I see a desperate need for us, for people, for Christians today, to seek the middle path of apathy and anger towards others and ourselves and I know I get it I know that that can just sound new agey and it can sound like everything the world just tells us just love yourself just you know uh, just love yourself Um, I know that that can sound that way Um, but I, I think it's I think it's true I think there's truth there and so oftentimes when friends or family or people come to me and they're, they're coming to me in these moments of questioning, of doubt, of whatever it is, I, I've asked, I've tried to ask, and when I'm thinking rightly, I try to ask three questions, and I've already asked you one. What do you think, of, uh, what do you think about you? What do I think about you? And what does God think about you? So I give a little space for you to kind of contemplate those things. And many times, I know the answer depends on the situation, what you're going through, what you're dealing with, what you're bringing in to this building today. Sometimes people might say to me, uh, well, I'm just being lazy. I'm just, uh, I think I'm trying, but I can't make anything happen or whatever else it might be. Then they ask, they may say, oh, Brady just thinks I'm not able to make a decision. Brady thinks I'm just sad or in a rut. People have always also told me, well, God just thinks, God is just angry with me. God is just judging my actions. And when my friends are, usually done with these things I try to give them truth and sometimes I know not just as like an answer to fix all the problems but generally I end up telling them something like this I can't control what you think about yourself but I don't hear much grace in your thoughts as for me I love you as a brother and sister in Christ and you mean so much and I know other people love you too. You may be in a hard time, but I know that the Lord is faithful and gracious and just. He will work this out for your ultimate good, and you can have hope in him. I know too that God views you as a believer, as a believer in Christ, as cloaked in Christ's righteousness. Christ, our great high priest, has worked on your behalf and is continuing to work as our mediator. He has made the sacrifice for you to be a son and an heir to the promise. His child. Christ loves you, which means God loves you too. And that's how he sees you. So in finishing, I want to read you uh, the passage just before our passage today, which I think helps close us out, it's chapter four, verses fourteen through six. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not, uh, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in Every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And here it is. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. We have looked at the history, duty, and obligation of the high priest, and I hope that you can see through this example that we need the middleman of Jesus as our high priest, as our great high priest, that we cannot be our own high priest. And because of this knowledge, we can stop trying to be something that God doesn't even call us to be. But that through faith in Christ, we can come to the throne of grace for mercy. We can know his love for us and we can rest in his work, past, present, and future, to bring us home To an eternal glory in heaven with God the Father. Would you pray with me? (sighs) Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just thank you for an opportunity to think about um, and read about Jesus being our great high priest Lord, um, I, I admit to you that um, I need personally to even let this sink in. Um, and so I ask that as we continue forward, Lord, in our days, that you would remind us of these truths. And Lord, if, if I said anything that's just untrue, please just let it go away. Um, let it not be remembered here. but. Make your word true in your people today and forevermore. And be with us. Be with us to, to strengthen us, to guide us. And help us remember that we can come to you as the person who mediates, who is God, and acts on our behalf daily. Lord, we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.